1: Welcome to Foundation Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV I'm Jim. I'm Aaron, and we are here today to do a very special interview, our second special interview of the season, with Mr. David S. Goyer. Uh, Aaron, what can you tell me about this guy?
0: If you don't already? He know? is the he's an executive producer, writer, director, and showrunner of Apple TV Plus's Foundation. Uh, David Goyer's back on the podcast. Let's get right to it. Let's check in. I guess we'll open it with like this is uh, this is the eve of the airing of the season two finale of Foundation. Um, how how are you feeling uh, heading into that uh, about the season overall about this finale? I'm feeling pretty good. Um,
2: I feel like we were able to accomplish everything we set out to accomplish this season in terms of course correcting of. of few things that I wanted, to course, correct. Um, getting more creative runway from Sky and St. Apple because they were, you know, they, they definitely gave me more rope. Uh, uh, hopefully not myself this season. Uh, you know, so I, I had a very intentional sort of set of uh, things I wanted to try to adjust and or hit this season. And I feel like in almost every circumstance the audience has responded actually better than i hoped i mean i i don't i'm i'm happy <laughs> you know knock wood uh and it's been interesting also uh, because of this strike i have been able to engage on reddit or you know with you guys uh, just a, a lot more than i might normally have been able to and so that's been really fun for me and i've been able to kind of monitor in real time fan theories and whatnot and um it's been cool because i think most of the time where the preponderance of the audience felt we were going to zig we zagged uh -hmm. which is a pleasure experience you know uh as a showrunner to feel like we're kind of keeping people on their toes and um so i think that the we definitely did some things in the second the final episode sorry that um i think break some of the some of the um structural conventions that you would expect from uh premium television uh a lot of big things still happened in in episode uh 10 so 210 so i don't know how do you
1: guys feel yeah a lot uh, of we, that'll be kind of a, a denouement or whatever right to set yes, the next yes. season this yeah. does have some huge developments, for sure.
0: Yeah. I think this season... Um, we just recorded our review of the finale episode yesterday. I think this season is a very confident step forward in almost every aspect of the first season. And, and you know, obviously, from our coverage, I thought the first season was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good. And, like, the only knock was, like, maybe some of the plots weren't as developed as the others. And this, like, you know, we said many times a season, like, I feel like... Um, everything was just firing on all cylinders. Every single plot line, every single character, everything was kind of crackling. Um, yeah. we, the, the, the finale was a reversion of subversions of the things in episode nine. And yeah. I, so where I've laid on it is like, when I first watched it, um, I felt like, you know, a good friend had come in and been like, Aaron, your car's been stolen. And I'm like, oh, you know, like after episode nine, right? I'm like, oh right. my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to get to work? What are the implications of this? I got to call the insurance agent. I got to call the police. I got to do all this. And in episode 10, my buddy came in. And was like, Actually, I just parked it up the, the street. And right. like, I well, got this we, feeling yes, like yes. I've been had. I've been had, but I don't know. It's like, is it a funny? Jo- it's like, and I'm like, okay, it's a pretty funny joke. And he played fair, and he didn't. And I, I think I've come around. But my first, my first instinct was like, oh, I thought the foundation was gone. I thought the, yeah, you know, I, I was like curious to see how if Harry's going to get out of this and how they're going to do a third. What, what? And then it was kind of all subverted, and it took me a minute to kind of like get over my initial. Like, oh shit, my car was stolen. Um, I thought
2: I well, that's fair. I think I think some people it's interesting. I suspect a big chunk of the audience will be enormously relieved that well, the that the that the preponderance of the people survived, you know?
1: Um, characters yeah. they care about, yeah.
2: Yeah, characters they care about. Although if you really thought about it though, uh, uh you know, other than Polly and Cermak, you know, um a, a lot of the characters they care about are on the ship, are sure. not are are not um are not on terminus. And but then, you still kill
1: a lot of the ones that I cared about. Well that's
2: so. well that's <laughs> that's the other that's the flip side yeah. of it, right? Is is we were is, I don't is it schmuck bait if then you because what part of what we were trying to do was a with the whole terminus thing is it was it, it was Harry and to a lesser extent Hober's plan from the beginning, right of to do this whole shell game to to bait Empire into bringing you know the the fleet to do the enclosure to do all to destroy the planet, which gives him incredibly good cover for the next hundred years sure. um, And you know we set up the vaults bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, you know kind of all of these things. Uh, so I felt like we played fair and it's been interesting as well, because a lot of people are like, you know, don't kill your, your gays. But then I'm like, but we didn't kill Gleowen. We, we did the reverse, but then we killed a ton of other characters. And so I I think if we had saved the people on Terminus and, you know, saved Hover and saved bell and say like I, I i i feel like that
0: might would have been schmuck bait uh so this so is so it's hilarious e- yeah because you're laying out the exact logic that i laid out in a podcast yesterday i'm walking through it's like you know <laughs> really? it's got all these elements of the crime but it lacks intent and also also the cost like i've never seen schmuck bait where it's like huge main characters that i care like i i just like i said I felt devastated, you know, that like Hober and and uh, Bell weren't going to get out of this. Um, yeah, it it like especially Hober and and that stuff with Salvor was brutal, and and yeah, and Harry's reaction to it, it felt. And I had an intense emotional reaction of relief when I saw, like, I I got like choked up when. Polly came out i got choked up when uh uh Constance dads came out yeah and yeah. then i got choked up when glaywin came out and then when the music swelled and you just came up and up and up and you see all these people that harry yeah. has saved i got choked and that's like the like oh god thank god my car's not stolen right so it's like that that to me it's like and I, I don't know if you listen to our nine um but as we were Joe, you know, we we're saying out about a bunch of stuff that could happen in the finale. It's like, you know, wouldn't it be funny if they just jump back into cryopods? Wouldn't it be funny if Harry mm. actually has some pro- uh, uh, plan to like warp Trantor out to someplace? And we're like, but, you know, you can do anything as long as you do it well. Mm. And doing it well is all about honoring the characters, honoring the the, the audience's faith. And, and I I thought that that's, that's where I arrived with the finale, that it was it was shocking and it was like audacious. And it rolled back a lot of things I thought were true in Nine but you didn't play false and it worked on me and you definitely paid the iron price and game i mean like you killed more main characters in your average game of thrones season we killed
2: we killed six six
0: main characters in our season finale
2: (laughs) yeah and yeah and it's interesting apple released something on instagram i think it was a picture of four of the characters and said one one will fall and all of them fall (laughs) in that and Uh and and i knew that you know and i and we didn't by the way we didn't do it just to shock people but i i think here's the thing i mean we took a we took a big swing in nine and we took a i think in its own way an equally big swing in ten and and it's you know it's, it's interesting, like I was on Reddit and there, there were a whole ton of people arguing for all the ways that like Terminus didn't get destroyed. Right. You know, and pe- so mm-hmm. a lot of people saying like, oh, if all those people are dead, I'm going to be so mad. And then and, and then then an equal amount of people saying, no, they're dead. We kind of did something in the middle. There are, without giving too much away, there are some very good, we, we considered that um, all the people as well. But there are some good reasons down the line for why we ultimately decided we couldn't do that. Um, hmm, okay. And and then in terms of the deaths, uh, Bell so far I would say Bell and Hover are favorite characters, right? And yeah, I, I did not. So, yeah. And I did not want to kill him. and I don't <laughs> think the audience wanted to kill him. but it just felt right. It it just felt like the right thing to do it felt there were some people that were criticizing uh, initially hober's introduction as being too campy and and my whole point was it, even apple initially mm-hmm. and i said just just wait just wait until we get to the end because i think the end is a gut punch but you know mm-hmm. what happens between hober and bell and it's, yeah and that bottle of wine yeah it, it was yeah. it worked really well that scene uh, but I think it works because he's, in particular, Hober is introduces such a ridiculous, yes, foppish character, and and we, you know, but we took that long journey, and so it's it's just interesting because my experience on the show is, we'll have to see what the with the audience at large feels about the, the episode is. But so far, a lot of it's been validated. That, uh, like, I, I, I tend to play the long game, right, with my characters, mm-hmm. and so I tend to start a character here at the beginning of a season and like, just wait, you know what I mean? And I tend to, and we were cognizant of even things like, is Harry dead or Salver dead in the middle of the season, right? But we knew we were where we were ending, and so we knew by the time we showed that, you know. Salver was alive and eight. That everyone would assume she has armor, and that she's not going anywhere. Certainly not at the tail end of the tenth episode. And again, we didn't do it for shock value. We we there were very good reasons why we did it. But I I've just decided to not become attached to, to my characters and do what I feel is right for the story. And sometimes that may not be apparent until a few episodes later, or sometimes even a season later, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, you just set yourself a challenge to create new uh, characters that people are going to love just as much as the old ones, right?
2: Well, we we did yeah. it in season two. But
1: exactly, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I, I do it, have it, it, a I lot of specific questions please, around that please. stuff, um, because there were three big switcheroos that I think uh, I've come most of the way around on them. I had a very emotional reaction uh when i first watched that finale and felt like uh, a little bit like i had been betrayed i've come Uh around all the way on the terminus stuff i think Uh, that stuff was really good because
2: because the the terminites survived but the planet was still destroyed you felt
1: betrayed there Uh, initially yeah but the more i thought about it the more it made a lot of sense i mean the vault we've seen the vault do essentially exactly what it did here just on a grander scale um well since that can can i get to that because since it's up yeah. in the air because that's the oh. one
0: that the one that i was shocked because like the whole you kind of subverted you know in the books the whole idea is you have a first foundation and then there's a secret second foundation that's keeping tabs on the first foundation manipulating mm-hmm. things from afar in the middle of the season you kind of blew my mind by having dr selden the first mm-hmm. foundation find out about the second foundation and like oh my god i'm the left hand this sucks you know or uh and i'm like wow i wonder how they're going to fix that and in episode nine when you destroyed the first foundation i'm like oh my god that fixes the problem uh but i think it actually still did so if i'm putting together the pieces right tell me if i'm way off base or not sure Here, dr selden gives the prime radiant to dimmerzel which means that there's no longer a conduit for Harry to see into Dr. Selden's business and vice versa. Yes. The rest of the universe is going to think the foundation was destroyed. Way more so than a mega flare. Yes. Yeah. And so now you've set up the possibility that the first foundation is going to play the second foundation's roles and now they're going to switcheroo. Which you are cor- I'm, you are correct okay sir. Uh-huh. so now like that's what that's what made my piece because like i i was so excited to see how you're going to unravel that knot that like when you went back from and i'm like well that kind of that 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 feels a little cheap but like i think you actually did it so now i'm very excited to see how you're actually going to do that 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 dance step where the the two foundations kind of uh you know uh switch switch sides a bit All things have a cycle. First the podcast, then the ad. Here's what's new and premium content for our club members.
1: No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation. But get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the
0: return of the king, don't forget, May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.baldmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you.
1: And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you
0: want more baldmove in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content, plus ad free feeds.
1: try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little
0: bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke
1: to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again,
0: check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Math is never just numbers, and this isn't just a podcast. We're back with more Foundation. Well, the obviously
2: we're adapting the books, but we're sort of like the someone... Someone in our show, what our show is to the books is like the Marvel Ultimates is to the Marvel Universe or something like that, which I think is is a very apt description. There are, there are a whole number of reasons for why we didn't want to completely destroy the first foundation, but not the least of which is there in the books, there remained tension between the first and the second foundation for quite a while. And that was just not something I was we thought about doing it but that's just not something i was willing to give up yet because there's a lot of mileage i think uh there and i think there's a lot of mileage in there ultimately being also a conflict between the two foundations and a conflict between the two pairs uh, which is not something that exists in the book and so but that's he something it at the end of the season 10 or the episode 10. yes and that is something i'm just as the showrunner really interested exploring, I think that's really juicy because, yeah, you know, what eventually Empire will fall, but the story's not done. And, yeah, and there's that whole argument of like, well, the foundation continues unabated, it just becomes Empire all over again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, in some ways, that ultimate struggle is even more interesting to me than the struggle between foundation and empire.
0: Does that make sense? Oh yeah, no, I and I'm I'm with you. I I do wonder how is Dr. Seldon, like I I do wonder now that you got the two Harrys, how is the Dr. Seldon going to keep his activities hidden from Harry and vice versa, because yeah. now you got the reverse situation that the Doctor Seldon knows about Harry, Harry doesn't know about Doctor Selden. I don't know. Maybe it would be interesting to like hand that baton back and forth throughout the series. But it, yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very excited about the possibilities of how this is going to work out.
2: There, there are also some other wrinkles to um, Selden giving Demerzel the Prime Radiant that you haven't cited yet uh but but the ones that you did cite are certainly things that were that we are attacking in that direction
0: yeah so i mean the good other thing, thing, I, yeah yeah so uh jim do you, I'll i'll yield the witness to you for the other two points
1: <laughs> oh yeah i i have some questions around the other two big switcheroos for sure um so so one of the other switcheroos i see is the spacers did actually make a deal with hover yeah um when when did that happen because the, the first encounter that they had seemed to go very negatively for this plan um and then yeah, were revealed it, here it, in the finale it actually they did make a deal so we cut away um
2: uh after hoover's making his speech and she says that i'm, I'm paraphrasing but but chia center says uh, that's that's really interesting you know effectively but if we did this they would take 20 percent of our whatnot our of our progeny and we can't can't allow that and so one can imagine and we we thought about showing this and then decided not to but the conversation kept going after that you know it okay. didn't it, it didn't end there and so between the time that they and and that's what this was was effectively sort of like a, a biometric you know usb drive that had They had virus that 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 he, which is why he had to get onto the bridge. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Yeah, that all makes sense. We just didn't see, I guess, the connective tissue. Well, I guess the question is to preserve
2: the surprise, right? Well, for sure to preserve the surprise, and then the question is, we actually wrote that it was like a the the scene went on about I don't know a page and a half further, right, between Hoover and her, in which it's clear that they start to make a deal, and then we thought about. Um, showing that once they're on the bridge and it's like aha, this, aha, that it was already such a long scene of like you knew this and you knew that and you knew that to then to editorially jump out of it. We just said, I just felt
0: it would it would have broken the tension and it was already such a long scene. There's okay. one confusing thing, like on the cause we go back to Hoburn's the She Who is Center, and you know, that's the scene where she calls the cops essentially, she says, Nope, yes. no sale, I'm calling the cops. That's a that was a ruse, and I guess who was that scene's benefit for? Or are we supposed to understand that, like, right at the moment that she's got the phone dialing nine one one, Hober says, "No, wait, there's more." And the latter, the latter, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seriously, right.
2: That scene wasn't a ruse. uh she, it it was definitely getting to the point where. So we just she missed a third step color. of the negotiations. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And, and right, that's what
1: Hoover right. means when he talks about hard selling. You know? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's been selling hard. He's out of breath. Uh and, yeah. and I think the clue for the audience
0: is, and we we picked this up when we were watching it. She who sent her takes this unprecedented thing of taking the entire home swarm out to give her daughter a you know a hug, essentially. And yeah. that, like mm-hmm. is the is the key. Well, yeah, yeah, she wouldn't to have thing. Would, like, yeah, she wouldn't have done that just to see
2: her. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's yeah. also. The thing that that was also interesting because people are saying oh I guess I guess um you know Harry meant for Hober to fail he didn't he didn't fail their their plan worked <laughs> you yeah, know it's so. just that we weren't you know it, it, effectively what we were trying to do was um you know and I saw a lot of theorizing as to whether or not we were they were going to somehow use the castling bracelet to cast population out or whatnot. And someone said, no, but the whole point of the casting bracelet is a rook and a king. And we stayed true to that, right? Rook and a king. like mm-hmm. That's just a one-to-one thing. We weren't going to do anything. But but we did, in a way, uh, castle the Terminus people away, I, I mean, thematically. And so mm-hmm. the, you know, Selden's plan was twofold it was to send polly and constant to terminus to bait an anger um day uh he fully expected that they would discover the sliver of his consciousness you know inside uh, that was all all to plan and to uh send Hobart to the spacers with the manufactured opalesc and and make a deal that would destroy the 20th fleet and then buy you know, the power of transitive storytelling, you know, effectively create, you know, a galaxy wide meeting, right? That having been said, um, Seldon had no expectation that Polly and Constant would live. So, so he did, he didn't put their heads on the chopping block. And so he's, I'm curious to see how people feel about him at the end, because he's, he, yeah, he, Saved a ton of people, but he also, he, everyone on the evictus was sacrificed. Like he, he, he knew they couldn't win that fight. Uh, he put them out. So it's a, it's his plan worked to plan, you know, uh, but he saved a lot of people, but he also sacrificed a lot of people and he lied to a lot of people.
0: Did the people of the, the foundation know stuff. they were going did, to, did, did the
2: people of the foundation know they're going to be saved? No. And that's, I, and i've seen okay. people wondering uh whether or not they knew that no they didn't okay okay the uh, people the, on the the people on the evictus did not know they were sacrificial lambs okay interesting so of he's course. he he's, is he a good guy i you know i don't know
0: sure he reminds me uh, a lot of the scars figure on andor you know yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that the, where he's like, you know, he's he's committed to do whatever it takes to shorten the darkness, you know, and if that uh, he'll grind whatever grist that requires. Well, yeah. I and mean, if you're talking about trillions of people,
2: it's unrealistic. I mean, I, we might have even talked about this on one of your podcasts, but just think about what the leader, you know, what the president has had to do. Is he ever had to sacrifice troops that he knew was behind enemy lines or, you know when the Enigma code uh, may or may not have been cracked or Normandy or things like that. I mean, I mean, all the time, leaders of large populations have to make decisions where they are knowingly condemning, you know, citizens. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and if you expand that to trillions of people, yeah, what's a planet? Look, I. We could have absolutely killed all the population of Terminus, Um, and I think still would have been an interesting thing for um and we talked about it for for Selden to 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 do it's just that there's more story we you know we want to tell there. So that's why we did what we did.
1: Well it helps that um some of the characters we do like like Glaywin are kind of giving their consent here too, right? Yeah, go ahead and destroy this planet because it is sure. for the greater good, right? Mm-hmm. but i think that's an interesting inversion that playman survives
2: uh yeah. and yeah every everyone you know i was ha- <laughs> i was having to bite my tongue on that um but would mm-hmm. you have wanted would you guys have wanted? and i know you have more questions would you
0: have wanted bell and or hover to live I think yes, but emotionally, that, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that that would have been that 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 would have been oof. That'd have been rough because it would have seemed very much like magical wave your hand, nothing bad happens yeah, to Harry, yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, I'm I'm glad for the sake of the story and the integrity of the show that that steep a cost was was paid. And I mean that's also, the thing. That's what I got Glay. This yeah. like I got choked up at the sight of Glay Glewin, it's Glaywin's dawning realization, like this relief of like, oh my god, I lived through this thing, but now. The foundation winning means that Bell lost, and he's mm-hmm. like, "It's like, and those guys, oh my god, Ben and I forget the uh, what Glayman's Dino, uh, act, Dino, Dino. You know, I've mentioned like the you know the, the secret sauce there is they'd work together and had this kind of relationship, yeah. and that's such co- you know being able to copy and paste that emotional connection. And I was just so impressed by those guys. uh No, me, I mean, look, me too, and it was a genius idea on Ben's
2: uh part to suggest uh that we cast you know but it's it's interesting i mean i'm sure people will be debating what happens in 10 for a while we, we look which is what you want right but sure. is there a you know i'm and i'm sure some people were like well i wish this character would have lived and that character would have died or this or that and 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 i think if you're gonna take big like this uh, you're you're going to take big swings, It's so, you know. I don't. I don't think, it, given the situation that we did, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. That it would have been possible to have come up with a big swing ending in which every single person was satisfied. You know, this character
1: died, that character didn't die.
2: This character, you know, you yeah. Have no to way.
1: yeah. Uh, th- there's one other aspect of of the switcheroo stuff that I want to talk about, and it's maybe the one that's bugging me the most because I feel like I. i I just have very specific questions around it um and it's the fact that harry lived and how he lived i guess um yes we find out that gail and him have been working together uh pretty much since the drowning yeah since the drowning i mean moments after it yeah and she is using her powers to kind of disguise the fact that they've been working together that he's alive at all um Earlier in the season, there was very specific, and even later, there was very specific visual language around that. You guys used a visual effect to kind of convey uh, yeah, the certain detuned, things about the powers. Detune lens is what we call it. The detuned lens. Um, I, I'm curious, what were the rules around that, given what we saw? Because a lot of the times, now in retrospect, that I think we should have been seeing that. It didn't feel like we were seeing that.
2: So, So do you want, here's the truth uh okay. please <laughs> we run we run an incredibly tight ship generally uh on all of this stuff and we decided that when what we call the mentalic effect was happening or or, or when it when it when a, an aggressive version of the mentalic effect was happening because there's probably subtle little nudges happening throughout the day on that planet but when a really aggressive version of what was happening, we would use these detuned lenses. And so lenses have all of these components. And this particular set of lenses, you know, a lens technician went in and by hand, sort of slightly put some of them out of alignment. And that was the effect we would do. And we, over the course of the four directors said, okay, here are the scenes and moments in which you you should use the detuned lenses. And and the truth is, um, uh, and here is when you shouldn't. And I would say over the course of the production, about 80% of the time they got that right. We got that right, and about uh-huh. 20% of the time, and that is the God's honest truth. And there were scenes in which um the detuned lenses were used in which they shouldn't have been, and some other moments in which they were not used in which they should have been. And that's the that's the true answer, and maybe the okay. frustrating answer. <laughs> what do you but, wish the answer was? <laughs> well, no, I, 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 I we didn't we didn't get them all right. Yeah, I, sure, I sure. you know, um, I only directed episodes. Uh, well, that's not true. I, well, I directed episodes two and three, and so there were some moments like when they're talking, they're in the cockpit of the beggar, and they're talking about Ignis and Can you feel it? I used the detune lenses there, and I ended up directing about a third of episode four and a a little more than a third of episode seven and so i got them right in my scenes (laughs) and and, and most of the other people got them right but there were a couple of slip-ups when i wasn't because i'm not we often shoot on two full units
1: at once and there were some screw-ups but keep going sorry okay no that was my question like what was what was that all about um so I think that answers it. All right. But I, we, think so, done. We, but, I think we're but done. I think we're done. The interrogation phase is over. That's okay. Just... <laughs>
2: but again, again, we tried to play fair with that too, because we uh we we showed a body, you know, mm-hmm. uh uh and to ground the illusion. And um we had the scene in seven in which Selver well, we had a couple of scenes in seven in which Selver comes upon Gill and she's counting prime, she's really agitated and yeah. You know, it's we also thought about the obvious solution would have been to have Harry have been a robot. Um that was my uh, pet and, theory for sure. Right. And potentially I think and we talked through this a really an interesting version of that would have been Harry not knowing he would, he's a robot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That totally. That and that's a totally valid um story to go to another version might have been that it was a with like an organic brain that they grown or something like that. That, so I guess that might be kind of a cyborg. Um, I mean, this one's hard. We just, uh, we, we certainly talked about that, but for a bunch of reasons that will become obvious, hopefully in season three, we decided not to do that. So we, right. um, that one's hard though. Sometimes when you you are saying like, yeah, we we thought about doing that, and then decided not to for a bunch of storylines.
1: Yeah, I, I have no problem with how like the decisions you guys made around the story there. That was you felt, the you just because I felt expected that, Harry did, to live. You just felt that it some of the detuned lenses weren't properly. It didn't line up with what I expected to well, see. He, given, yeah, he, he what was you told the close the, You're right. Throughout, you're the right. Season, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay,
0: you're right. Uh, one of the many en- enigmatic things that uh, Demerzel... I'm sorry, did you want to elaborate on that? No, no, no. Let's... Okay, okay. okay. Uh, one of the many en- enigmatic things that uh, Demerzel says this season uh, is that she chose Belle Rios to lead the fleet for a reason. And knowing now everything about Demerzel, I'm curious, what was the reason she chose him? And was she satisfied or not?
2: Oh, I, I think I think um after the fact, after what happened, she was very satisfied. She chose Bell because fundamentally she didn't know specifically that he would attempt to um um you know betray empire per se. I mean she was aware of all of all of the arguments that Bell made to Claywin, right? She chose Bell because she thought he was moral and an and an adult in the room and so that in in an incredibly tense situation series of situations that he would make morally the best decisions possible and she also chose bell because she felt uh th- this is what i believe this is my headcanon that um if an opportunity arose for him to do the right thing and potentially go against empire he would
0: take it That's that was my guess well. that like even yes. if okay can i take it a step further was yeah. Demerzel in the back of her mind where her programming couldn't lurk kind of secretly hoping that bell could successfully overthrow the empire and free her which would for sure for 100 okay. 100% okay. for sure for sure how much is, leeway does a programmer give her to do these kind of like paper? Well, that's, that's where... <laughs> the devil's
2: in the details, right? And that yeah. would be the interpretations
0: that
2: the audiences can discuss I mean, in between season two and season three. Is as we've seen with the robotic laws, there there are nuances, right? Uh, I mean, that was why Asimov wrote the robotic laws and the devil's in the details. and And she clearly wants to be free. And so the question is, what's permissible? And, you know, it's is that by choosing someone that might rebel if they saw, you know, saw the right circumstances, does that mean she's betraying her programming in so far as Clean the first goes? I don't know. I I
1: would well, argue I that. That's, go ahead. I was going to say, I love that disparity between what she can say and what she can do that yes. her. She can say, I hate this man, Cleon but she can't do anything actually physically do anything her program won't, won't let her right. um, and to me that's super interesting especially given what we see at the end of this season with her in the prime radiant she says there are wonderful things in our future for who for empire or for her and i think well, that's a super a, interesting question <laughs> what i what
2: i do what i was very pleased with this season was how the audience kept going back and forth on demrizel and yeah that, that may be something that will continue to happen for a
1: while. I think there's still so much to explore with her. Yeah. Uh, I have some questions about um, so, sort of where we're ending with Harry and Gail. Um, eventually they, Gail's able to convince Harry to abandon his plan, which I think is the first time that's ever happened, that anyone has talked Harry out of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh She does it sort of by appealing to his ego, which I love. You know, if there's a crisis, uh, Harry Seldon's going to be involved. You're the only one who can deal with that. Sure. Um, And then they decide to get into the cryopods, which I I think was, you know, this is the second time. We talked about this last time we chatted, um, how this might be a risky operation. But I think because they made a conscious decision to get into those pods, it's, it's very unoffensive to me. I actually quite like this. My question is like, how long are they planning to sleep? Are they going with the plan that Harry initially came up with for Gale, where they're gonna sleep for a year, wake up, she's going to kind of represent as a goddess there, and they're gonna continue that? Or are they sleeping for 150 years just hoping the Metallics will take it from here? Well And what can, can, can you I, say about what that? What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Uh Uh-oh, our dynastic empire is experiencing some genetic drift. We'll be right back. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there,
0: transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, We still have respect for the old ways.
1: At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald
0: Move fan in your life. Join our tribe. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping.
1: The algorithm says this podcast will continue. Welcome back to Foundation. The
2: plan is that once a, once a year, they'll wake up for a day, you know, or possibly a week, uh, check in on the state of things. Uh, she will, in a in a way, uh, play the role of of goddess, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 they will progressively. You know grow uh the mentalic population to become the army that they need that's that's the plan the plan
1: okay yeah
2: <laughs> but as we know things don't always go to plan
1: uh-huh he but probably, i will say
2: okay. I, I just i just want to add one other thing which is i What we were trying to do with Harry and Gail this season was repair their relationship Mm. in a way is they both lost tremendous loss in their lives and they both they are more alike probably probably than any two other people in the galaxy right so we were trying to create this by the end of the season this father-daughter relationship and even have Harry open up his heart to that. So so on one hand, we were trying to do that. On um, the other hand, I just think it's fully thematic that Gail is literally becoming the sleeper. Like she's literally yeah. becoming the god of her society. And so yeah. I find that really interesting too. And I'm really interested in exploring what does that mean? You know, Gale is now becoming not dissimilar to what Harry was, mm-hmm. Dr. Seldon was, to Foundation on Terminus, mm-hmm. uh, for the people on Ignis. And so I'm really interested in exploring that as well.
0: Just how distributed is Dimerzel's consciousness? Is that something you'd comment on? Like planetary, okay. I, I, solar I, system? I, I I can't fully comment on that
1: uh hmm.
2: that's that's we're definitely going to get into that in season i didn't three. think so but so, sometimes you shock
1: me so i thought yeah. i'd
0: throw it out there yeah
1: <laughs> all right how about another random question um and i know this is one that aaron has personal investment in <laughs> yes okay. yes okay. I, got, I got some i got some internet points on the line for this one okay the the, the mule's eyes they're they're this yeah. eerie blue right are those thespin blue eyes or are those some kind of augmented mechanical eyes what, what are we dealing with here what do I want to say? <laughs> they're not
2: thespian blue eyes. The thespian thespian eyes are violet. Those Damn. are if you look, all right. If you if you look at if you look at that if you look at the thespian eyes, I owe a, eyes, lot,
0: of, I owe a yeah. lot of people in feedback and apology. Yeah, they're um,
2: now some of that may come down to like in in darker scenes, like the color grading or whatnot. But if if you look if you if you do like a comparison from a still of her in daylight, and and the mule, and admittedly most of the scenes are, at, are are at night, his eyes are kind of a a lighter, not exactly robin's egg blue when they glow. Hers are hers are really purpley, and and his eyes glow when he's. It, exerting his power so it's sort of like a physical manifestation of the detuned lenses gotcha gotcha yeah all right people people, can see in the final shot that that having been said people should expect some interesting surprises with the mule and the provenance of the mule
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh i want to ask a question about decanting I know a lot of this is probably up to Demerzel, but I wonder how much of a clone's memory is returned to them when they are decanted. You mentioned last season, they're not aware of the circumstances of the death, but do they stagger out of that chamber blank and then they they get an upload? Uh, do they have like some sort of warm-up period before they fully understand who they are? How long is yeah, that? Yeah, the, you know? the, the, the latter. And the question is whether or not we'll... It would be interesting,
2: and maybe one day we'll do it, you know, to really slow down that process and spend you know like 20 minutes or even a whole episode with one of those guys being a oh. candidate and, and how they get them yes. up to speed and how much they know or don't know or and and whether or not they know that they're um i can't remember the word that we used for their predecessors but um, their exponents their exponents yeah whether or not they they know that their predecessor died an untimely death or not or because and I think it depends on the circumstance. I think sometimes they might know and they're told, okay, this is what happened. But other
0: times they don't know at all. And... Would, would Demerzel keep something like the destruction of your entire 20th fleet and you did it to, from day? Or is that something that she has to pull day aside and be like, look, <laughs> your former decante, uh really, really mucked things up? Or does, is that part well, of her she, statecraft? She has, kind she, of- yeah, she has the latitude
2: to decide. Right, because what we're saying there is that she does selectively
0: edit the memories. That she has the latitude to decide what they know, and what they don't know, and what they're told. Well, we know that like subsequent generations of Cleons know that like uh, was it Cleon the thirteenth pre- was perceived to kind of mess up the Thespian situation, and they refer back to that as like a mistake, or maybe they didn't go far enough, or maybe went too I, far. I, I will, I will say this in season
2: three. Um, there's a fair bit of discussion. It was also interesting that. A lot of people assume the genetic dynasty was done at the end of this season. There, but there's some more story to tell. Uh but I will say in season three, the the Kleons of season three uh are well aware of of how much Cleon the 17 bungled everything. Uh that they 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 reference it a lot. Uh that's yeah. that's that's the guy that shit the bed the most. I, I, I thought, thought that, that was ironically delicious.
1: Is
0: going to be on his podium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: He wanted to leave his mark. Well, he yeah. did. Yeah,
0: he <laughs> did. He did. <laughs> he did. Yeah, was, let me. That's another side. Um, I thought that you intentionally wrote Day more vulgar this season, in every sense of the word. Like he spoke coarser. Sure, sure. He spoke more yeah. common. He sounded more like a blowhard executive out of his depth. Was that an intentional choice to yeah. give him a yeah. little bit less? Yes. Okay. Question.
2: Uh, I I think this. Day 17 was taking the imperial equivalent of steroids and just, I mean, day 17 is so far the
1: one, the apple that's fallen
2: furthest from the tree in many ways.
1: Right. Yeah. I have some questions around the memory disparity that we saw with the Cleons. Cleon the first has roughly two and a half, three times the memories that uh, these exponents have. Should we understand at this point what exactly is contained within that extra memory space, or is there still more to be revealed? Is it all the Dimmerzelle stuff, or is there more? Um, there, there's definitely more, and the question
2: will be, uh, how many seasons I have to tell this story? Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a there, there, are, there are the the events that I know I need to get that I want. Through that, I think the, you know, there's sort of a hierarchy of um, A, B and C stories that I want to tell. And let's say I only have four seasons. I don't know that we'll ever get to that. Now I'm not saying, you know, because we've only written season three, so we haven't, we have a, we have season four mapped out, but we haven't written it. I'm not saying we couldn't, but then it's a question of, you know, do I have more runway to also fit in some of these, tier B and tier C things that yeah, I would love to do an episode in which we decant to Cleon and go through that entire process of what he knows or, or doesn't know. If mm-hmm. we only have four seasons, I don't know that we'll
0: have the runway to do that.
1: Yeah. Makes sense.
0: So so last season, this was a fun question. from Last season, I asked if you ever had to fight your science advisors to kind of let you fudge physics to do something cool. And you, uh, teased the idea of a planet with a moon orbiting within its atmosphere. And that paid off with the, the awesome moonshrike migration. Uh, sure. did you, did you, ha- did, do, do you, do you want to tease something similarly mind blowing for season three? Did you have to go to war with your science advisors to, to do something cool? Well, b- yes.
2: Uh, but the, the thing that people don't take into account is a, uh, if, if, you're, if you're dealing with a level of technology where they have the capacity to create artificial gravity and manipulate gravity, then I think that throws some of these boundaries out the window in terms of, you know, um, how close a, a, a moon can or can't be uh, to a body, how close a civilization could be to the event horizon of a black hole. We're just talking about a level of engineering that's way beyond where we are now. And that, Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Hand, who's our science advisor, um, that's the, uh, that's the, the out, that's the gimme, you know, and some, sometimes we'll write a little line in that relates to that. And we actually did have an extra line in the Harry, uh, uh, backstory on Helicon that, that, that mentioned that, but sometimes, in the course of the scene, it's like I I don't want to talk about artificial gravity or gravity generators or things like that. Um, but uh so the for a I guess a little hint um in season three, the you know Empire does not they don't have the spacers anymore. So uh, how the hell are they gonna get around the galaxy? And we mentioned something in episode two of season two, and that's something that we're going to see. And so when we were getting into constructing that with Kevin Han, there was definitely one thing that he was kind of hand waving because we were talking about the different kind of stars we could use um, to help our, uh, I'll just say, gate. Okay and and he was like oh it's really got to be this kind of star and it can be and i was like but i don't like that color so you got into, you know and he's like yeah but that kind of color is not the kind of you know gravity or energy output that, that of the star that you would
0: need and i'm like yeah but i really don't like that color <laughs> uh you glitched me said so you need a particular type of star for a what did you say stargate oh, oh a stargate yeah okay i thought i thought so but it kind of glitched yeah, so i just want to make sure yeah. i got that yeah, they
2: won't be able to get around the galaxy in the same way anymore. And that creates its own unique problems and
1: sort of I think uh story possibilities. Yeah, that seemed like the biggest development this season, the biggest blow to Empire overall so far. Even well, I mean, more that, so than than Don and Sarah being out there with a the child. It felt like that was For
2: sure. Problem. For sure. I mean, if if you and and even worse, you know, it's it's yeah, Empire doesn't have traditional jump technology anymore and that that is really how they were able to have the galaxy in an iron grip
1: yeah uh has, uh, well, has ahead, there so been a so season three already confirmed and
2: no okay no, we we wrote season three we've done early prep and design work on season three um you know we scouted season three we're, we're sort of a lot of resources have been put into season
0: three, but we, but it hasn't been confirmed yet. We had a, a feedback that was uh, it wasn't a question for you, but it's observation that like your production, much like the foundation itself, has had to deal with crises. And season one it was COVID, and season you know is this is into season two, season three is the it's the strikes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what what's the crisis of season three? Speaking of our listeners, Josh S. wrote in a question saying, in the very first episode's voiceover, Gail lists several people that played key roles a mathematician, a martyr, and a murderer. I'm wondering have those roles and people been identified at this point in the show? Mathematician, martyr, murderer. Yes. Yes, they have. Gail Salvor, the mule?
1: Gail Bell, the mule?
2: A lot of Yeah, stuff. Yes, yes, they've been identified, but there, in some cases, <laughs> there, may, okay. there, there may be someone that functions as more than one as well. We, we were we were cognizant of of those those three. I, I like alliteration quite a bit, and we were cognizant of that. and And we came up with uh, more than than one sort of iteration for what those names could attach to. I in my in my head canon, I know who. With three um, labels two but but people can argue it in a bunch of different
1: ways. Uh, Doors wrote in and wants to know some stuff about Dimmerzel. States uh, states that she was a general in the Robot Wars when she was captured. Uh, isn't Dimmerzel supposed to be in favor of humanity? I guess I'm just a little worried here. That's supposed to be her thing. Asmavi and robots are generally benevolent. Are we going to see the Zeroth Law? um basically asking yeah is is are there contradictions in the law here how is she fighting against humans
2: wow we really can't answer that one i i i I will say in episode um i believe it was eight when dusk and rue are sitting in front of the mural and he's talking about the robot wars he says something interesting there because he says robots against humans robots against robots. So Mm. that implies there's at least two factions of the robots. And we didn't say, we said she was a general or they were a general because she's not really a woman. Mm -hmm. We didn't say which faction she was a general for. And, And we didn't obviously by design say why the robots would be fighting amongst one another. Uh, so we're ser- we're ser- I, I, one last thing I'll say is we're oh. certainly not. It would be boring and not interesting. We're certainly not just going to tell, you know, the Terminator story. I, okay. I mean, sure. I think I think aside from the fact like that you've I'm already involved, you've shot, yeah, past yeah I, I've already. done it. I've done a version <laughs> of that. But I I think there's there are more nuanced and interesting. Look, I love Terminator, but but in our universe there are more nuanced and interesting stories to be told and and i think the story that we intend to tell is not one that i've seen a lot of iterations
1: of all right uh kimmo has a question after the assassination attempt on day why was dimmerzel in such a hurry to save him wouldn't they just need to uncork another one if he perishes also why would anyone attempt to assassinate someone who can be decanted indefinitely
2: Dem- so the way demersel's programming works is she's always going to attempt to take the path of least resistance so the most extreme version of of following her programming is is killing a kleon and decanting a new one that's the most extreme one so if she can um that's the way her programming works, and I also believe she just personally would prefer, generally speaking, not to do that. It just uh, because I do believe that the laws, the the the, the new law, the Cleonic law that that Cleon that the first imposed upon her sits atop the other laws, but the other laws are still there underneath. Okay, so killing a Cleon and decanting a new one is the most extreme thing she is permitted to do. But if she can do things like uh, scare a Cleon, if she can do
1: things that will, um, in this case, deter or
2: um, mess up you know, the marriage without having to do
1: something as extreme as killing that day, then she will. Does that make sense? yeah I, th- I think there are a lot of answers in the finale for this um this question came in obviously before that so yes
0: I do have a couple follow-ups because like the other thing about the why would anyone tip assassination decantation is still not like widespread public knowledge right like people don't know that if a Cleon dies they can just bring out another one they just no. see that okay and well, then also, also they you know um I don't believe that assassination attempt was public knowledge
2: the fact yeah. of the matter, Or is, just the you,
0: idea that who, why would anyone try to assassinate someone who could just be right, you know, sure, brought right back. Sure, yeah, so. sure. But the other thing I will say is, Day was never in
2: any real danger in that assassination attempt. We now know. Sure, I mean, she sure. was mm-hmm. she was sort of orchestrating the whole thing. She is was there? trying to. She was trying to sow uh, doubt. She was trying to sow. You know, um, she was certainly trying... It seemed ultimately like Rue and Sarah were behind it. And then he would end, you know, um, the marriage and she wouldn't have to kill him
0: and decant a new one. You're listening to Foundation of Podcast. We'll be right back. And we're back. Respect and enjoy the podcast. We see in the Principium there's all stages of cleonic embryonic development. Is there a limit to the decantation? Like do they have off-world backups? Is there like uh like if how how many clones could they burn through before they would be in trouble? Or is it just essentially as far as you need to know from storytelling purposes, infinite? I think it's infinite. I mean, it would certainly seem
2: um like bad planning if there was only one decanting facility and it was centralized merely on trend, or that would certainly seem pretty stupid. You know, we have cloud backups, right? Uh, you know, for our mm-hmm. data. So that would that would seem pretty dumb.
0: Uh Jeff P wondered uh he loves the show foundation and wants to know are there planned releases for any physical formats of the show and if so are there plans to include extra deleted scenes with special features you mean like blu-ray
2: and whatnot yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yes yes there are you know there it, uh yes there will be um in a in a, in a limited variety there unfortunately they got some making of featurettes and things like that uh, in terms of extras. We don't have deleted scenes, we don't have blooper reels. I'm trying to get um, Apple to release some deleted scenes in some format uh, and they're open to it. It's just right now we don't have any editors on staff. So question of how they would be released. There's There's a couple of pretty cool scenes that we did film that we had to cut out for a variety of reasons that I think people would like to see. And you know, I we may release blooper reels as well. We 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 have blooper reels that we've cut for the crew and cast each season that we show them in the end of filming. Uh and they're fun. Uh and I, I don't know, I waver back and forth sometimes about whether or not we should show um bloopers I guess people want to see them it's the best like Like, uh,
0: one of my yeah I love like running across a random Star Trek the next generation blooper or like the the always sunny reels are legendary right you know
1: I want to see multiple
0: takes I want to see multiple takes of Lee Pace getting bit in the shoulder by Becky you know because I I I really had a lot of fun with Lee Pace this year he was amazing there are some funny moments
2: I mean crazily we don't have nearly as many bloopers as you would
0: think which is but, but there are some fun because that's ones. expensive. It's expensive to shoot stuff. So yeah, I yeah. imagine.
2: But I, so anyway, I'm, I'm talking to uh, Apple about ways that we can um, release some deleted scenes, hopefully when the strike's over, potentially blooper reels. I will say uh, I saw someone on Reddit that was talking about uh, whether or not they could download 4k images from the title sequence and whatnot. And I asked Apple about that. And um, so they gave me the images, but shockingly, Apple didn't have anything set up to host that. So I actually Hmm. found a site where I can host them and, and people will be able to download some uh, 4k wallpaper stuff from my website which is kind of amazing that I'm having to do it instead of Apple, but Apple gave me the images. So I I actually, they're on my website now if people tunnel around through uh, the gallery. But I'll I'll post something in the news section and I'll, I'll post something on Instagram. Uh, so there people will be able to get some wallpapers from the show. And, and where is that
1: website?
2: I'm sorry? And where is that, that yeah.
1: website?
2: Oh, davidscoyer.com uh it's 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 on my website now i just haven't um bothered in the news section to say hey by the way if you want to let this stuff go here
0: you just mentioned the instagram last time you said that people were trying to bully you on the instagram apparently the bullying has worked yeah it's um (laughs) I've, i've avoided social
2: media but uh i it's also I definitely have a lot of behind the scenes videos and images and things like that, uh, not just for foundation, but for other projects. And I realize for the audience that that might be fun to share and pull out, you know, as we continue. So um, I joined Instagram a couple of weeks ago and I'll continue to post stuff um, that people can't get any anywhere else, you know, in the coming year and then hopefully if we go into production on season three, I'll be posting some casting announcements and, and whatnot as as we get into the making of that. Awesome. Oh yeah. My uh, Madison uh, is telling me um, on my website. I've also released one scene already, but there's another scene that I'm going to release tomorrow. Uh, some scenes that were scripted, but never filmed. People can get that on my mm-hmm. website as well so nice. I already cool. I already did one for episode uh 206 and I'll do there's a scene that we wrote for uh, 210 that we didn't film that that one really hurt that we had to cut for budget and that will be up on my website tomorrow
0: all right uh Ari asked the season T's talk of the emperors and the dynasties uh from the pre-cleonic period can you speak on the collaborative effort of the writers coming up with these past Emperor's unique stories all the way through the art department depicting these stories via the beautiful wall murals? Have you thought any, like, like how how much have you thought through the backstories of these murals, essentially?
2: Um, You know, we do have a kind of in-show Bible timeline. Uh, and so we kind of fill them out as needed. And where we can we've tried to pull uh, emperor names from asimov's writing sure. uh, or glean whatever we can from the writings and so a lot of them are actually name checked by asimov himself a couple we've had to come up with on our own i and i i will i'll say two things it it's become apparent as we move forward into three and four that we're now going to have to in broad strokes sketch out from beginning middle, to end uh the emperors that preceded the clans like we can't just say oh well this guy did this and this guy did that like we actually now have to figure out the framework because as we delve further into the show we're going to be unpacking some things that happened before the cleonic dynasty so we have to get off our ass and 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 really more properly nail some of that down and each season what we do And to do is, the the mural is miles long. And so I I would love to do a shot, and maybe we will one day, where uh, we just do, you know, like a six-minute scene walking down, you know, with some characters walking down the mural line, just having six minutes of material. That's that's one of my stretch goals uh, uh, for one of the seasons (laughs) just to do. Uh Uh, But then have to generate all that art. But each season, what we do is we talk about, the what are the important plot points that we want to pick on the mural and Rory uh Shane my production designer and his art team will come up with 6 to 8 depictions of key events that we're going to be referencing and then every time we go to the sets we have to reskin the mural with with those events and and sometimes the art department has time to reskin them overnight, you know, when we have to come in and, and uh, shoot a scene or a different scene. And sometimes they don't. So inevitably, we get into a situation where we find more than we actually film. And so maybe we say, OK, these. It's it's all boring, but we have all a spreadsheet of like these are the scenes that we have to film in the mural. And this is when this has to happen. And sometimes, you know, from two different episodes, you might have two scenes that have two different depictions of the mural, well, that's impossible to film on the same day. It's just a whole Jenga
1: puzzle scheduling nightmare. Hmm. I, I would love to see that six-minute scene also. That sounds amazing. And it uh, sounds like an art department's worst nightmare or
2: a dream to them, right? <laughs> it's it's definitely something that I'm, I, I'm determined to do one day. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh Ruma writes in and says, I was wondering about all the technology that Harry had in season one when he left for uh, Terminus. Where did all the money and technology come from to support Harry's mission for his vault and his digital avatar and all this? Was he rich? Did he, did he find this a, stuff a, somewhere? That's a really interesting question,
2: and we can't tell the answer to that. Uh the oh, vault does okay. seem the vault does seem pretty sophisticated, even by galactic standards. Um mm-hmm. Obviously, he got some money from Empire initially when they were uh, exiling them, and I think it's fair to say that some of that money was redirected. I think it's also fair to say that he had some hidden streams of income, and he might have even had some help in building the vault.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay,
0: I have some. I have some theories about that. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh Steve S it's, wants to know. Oh, I, I would just say it's hard
2: because I. I I like titrating, you know, little hints, but I also just don't want to give away whole storylines for future seasons. So,
0: no, I, sure. I, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I mean, the, yeah, the, how do you decide like what to give away, what not? It's, it's, uh seems like it's a fraught process, hmm. but uh, Steve S wants to know when you deviate from the books and weave in new plot lines and characters, uh, what approval, if any, do you need to get from whomever holds the rights to the foundation? That's Asimov's daughter or granddaughter at this yeah. point daughter uh That's her daughter. daughter robin yeah robin right uh, do you, uh or do you have free reign to modify the story as you see fit
2: i mean technically now legally we have free reign to do whatever we want but i i respect her tremendously so um and she's a huge fan of the show and she doesn't like to watch uh she, she has capacity to watch dailies, but she doesn't like to watch the daily. She likes to watch the completed episodes with her friends as they're released. And um, I actually did an interview with her about uh, episode 10 the other day. And the interview you know, interviewer had seen it and, and Robin hadn't yet. Cause she wanted to watch it when it, and so <laughs> something got spoiled for Robin, which I oh, don't know. Really but <laughs> if it's a, if, if it's a big change, I, I pitch it to her because i i just want to see what she thinks and how she feels uh her father she has a pretty good sense of what her father would have permitted and whatnot because she had been involved in his life and it had become the executor of his estate even before he had died so they were very close uh so anything really big uh i would
0: picture an incredibly endearing portrait the idea of his daughter. You know, grabbing a bowl of popcorn with her friends and watching watching Foundation.
2: That's, she does. that's I love that. I, I mean, know, and it's, she'll, it's great. And she'll she'll eat me after the episode and say uh, uh,
0: she's 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 really nice. Yeah, I think we have only one more question. Okay, have you thought of the dumbest thing that you've heard on the podcast yet, or do you want to demur? Well, the, I thought
2: the dumbest thing was the the the. The thespian did you know,
0: the, the mules of thespian. agree okay. I mean, okay. This is, I mean I, clearly, this is clearly this one's is, this blue is, and one's purple. This is the exact. This is the exact. Yeah, okay. I that's uh, as the person that thought that question, I got what I deserved. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that uh was the, I'm sure there
2: have been some other ones, but that one, I was like, you know, um, that one was crazy. Got it. Came up with to, in anyways. my mind. In my well, but again, we talked about this last time, which is but we trained the audience to look at every little thing and even, and there's no question, which is why it's for us sometimes when we do screw up something like whether or not a scene should be detuned or not. Right. But we, but we went even so far as to, um, and I, I haven't seen anyone mention this, but if you look at the shot in episode nine, where Polly is kneeling before the vault and you see the Invictus, hitting the earth and sort of grinding up behind him right before we cut out. There's this bright flash of light. That's clearly not coming from the, uh, the Invictus. And I think it's like a four frame flash and that we put that there. That's the ball scooping poly up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no question that we do get that granular. Uh, and so no one apparently even noticed that,
0: uh, and I was surprised that no one would notice it. Maybe someone it's funny because we, we had a powwow about the season with Pete peppers and we got to a tie and I'm like, you know, what, I'm actually going to, cause I swore Polly I swallowed those earths. And I, we, on the podcast, I went back and watched and I'm like, God damn it. They actually did put something there at the very end where we did. you can't we did. say Polly yeah. was swallowed up by the earth, but man, yeah, no, I I actually like that. That's where I thought is the finale is interesting to find out, go back. And I think rewatching the season is going to be incredibly rewarding too to see how all these pieces fit. Um, and just how much it plays off all the themes. Like, I just think it's fundamentally beautiful. Um, the fact that like Gail, the psycho historian, had his huge plan to save everyone that was foiled by her daughter taking individual action. And if she and if she hadn't, they would all die. Like that's yeah. just so I, the show in I, a nutshell. I,
2: I'm trying to make a show that will bear repeated viewings. I'm trying to make a show where even to the point of Pellis One, Pellis Two, right? You know, you said that, the that skins. That, yeah. yeah, it means hide and what is or or pelt and what does Hobart do, but he pierces Empire's hide. So I we try to throw out all those extra allusions and and Easter eggs and things like that and and hope and People seem to be scooping a lot of them up, and then sometimes they scoop them up in in second or third viewings. But that's the kind of show that I try to make, and and I think if and look, people can disagree with some of the choices we made, but I think if if one were to go back and watch season two, it, it's it's pretty intricately plotted. You know what I mean? And yeah. and, oh, yeah. and and it's, it's we try to really if you this meant that this happened this meant that this happened and, and and in ways that may not even be immediately apparent upon first viewing and so I don't know I'm I'm curious to see I I know that a lot of people are really going to like episode 10 and and I'm also going to take some heat for episode 10 but it sounds like that's where you guys were or at least initially
0: yeah, um, yeah I think we don't have a sample size of three but all three of us mm-hmm. um were like Had the reaction of like, oh my God, you know, but like, I think uh, almost every, even Jim, I think you're the one that's like, uh, still a little feeling a little like, you stole my car, dude. Um, Just on a certain aspect. But,
2: but, and I think honestly, it's, it's, it's,
0: it's the detuned lenses, the detuned lenses. This guy would be happy as pig and slop if he hadn't paid, if he paid, and you paid too much attention to detuned lenses. Wow. Uh, But that's, (laughs) but
2: like, great. That's the kind of viewer we want. But I, yeah, we let you down there. I'm sorry.
1: it's okay i I would say congratulations on a very much much improved season two i think you guys did an excellent job overall on this season you know squabbles about the uh, certain parts of finale aside um and i've really enjoyed this season
0: It's epic. It feels big and important. The performances and the characters are just wonderful. The show looks, I know you guys don't have the biggest budget and like the monster television shows, but like I could tell from what gets on the screen every season you have completely impressed me with like some crazy new visual like dropping a black hole on a planet you know right uh I just I just couldn't believe how beautiful uh Serith's, uh personal skiff was just how well designed right. and and you know you could tell that someone's thought a lot about like what type of person the cloud Dominion and expressing all that and just what 10 seconds of a ship flying through space so we sweat the,
2: we sweat the details I have an incredible crew um incredible cast uh incredible writers everyone's super passionate about it we sweat the details and um you know i also it's very gratifying to me to see the uh people debating not just did this happen or that happen, but but the sort of secondary and tertiary debates about free will or the laws or all of that i just i just think that's cool. That's the kind of show that I enjoy watching. And it's the kind of show that as a fan I enjoy participating in. Um, and so that's that's just neat to me. So hopefully, hopefully we can keep doing it. And, and I promise that we won't do some things that will irk you because we try to take big
0: swings,
1: you know. Oh that's apparent. That is apparent.
0: So <laughs> Well, you've got the the website, uh your Instagram. Uh, is there anything else coming up that you want the fans to know about? Because um, it's probably a lot of lot of free time, I imagine. But uh, is there anything <sighs> coming up that you do want people to know about? We've got the Coffee
2: Table book coming out, uh, uh, Making a Foundation, The Art of Foundation. I think it's October 3rd through Titan Books. Um, you can order it on Amazon now, but I'd prefer people to order it on bookshop.org which donates oh, no. I got my copy donates. on Target.com. I know. All right. That's okay. Bookshop.org donates a certain percentage to independent booksellers. So, yeah. uh, and, and there are deals in place for, uh, more, um, merchandise for foundation as well. Nothing specific that I mentioned, but hopefully in the next six to eight months, you'll be seeing more of that as well. And then otherwise I'm, uh, doing a lot of downtime and uh thinking about another project that we'll see if it comes to fruition or not uh and
0: uh you know just uh enjoying talking to you guys well we appreciate uh so how generous you've been with your time uh answering all of our questions uh, getting clarify clarifying things throughout the season uh it's a pleasure to watch your show i've had a lot of fun can't wait so I have one more wrap-up show to talk with the fans. We're obviously going to de- be debating a lot of stuff, but just really looking forward to Season 3. Looking forward to that. to One of the early, early things me, to come back, hopefully. Me too. Me too. I can't wait. Well, congratulations on a successful Season 2. Uh, good luck with the strike and Season 3 and all the other irons you got in the fire. And uh, yeah, I hope to, hope we can talk soon. But thanks, thanks for coming on our show. My pleasure. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. See you, David. Sure. Well, there you have it. Folks, uh, right from the horse's mouth, uh, David Goyer's thoughts on this season. Now the only thing left is to hear yours. Uh, We are going to do at least one more, perhaps two, if there's enough material, wrap-up podcast. We're going to be joined by our buddy from YouTube, Pete Peppers, to kind of break down our thoughts about the finale and the season. We'll also have uh, your feedback. Uh, Send that in to foundation at baldmove.com, and we will be considering it on the season wrap-up podcast out next week. You can also uh, follow along with us if this is your terminus point for our foundation coverage. If you want to find out what else we're doing right now, the best places to look on our socials. At Bald Move everywhere, except for TikTok, we're at Baldest Move there. In particular interest, I think, uh, for uh, sci-fi fans, we got Loki coming up. Uh, That might be interesting. There's a lot of interesting timey-wimey free will predestination questions there. What's another one that uh, maybe sci-fi fans would be interested in, Jim? (laughs) uh daryl dixon <laughs> i don't know uh yeah <laughs> uh. if you want if you want to see how far a dynasty has fallen into mm-hmm. decrepitude and decay check us out there we got a bunch of other stuff too fargo true detectives around the corner uh check us out there and then if you want to support what we're doing here keep our podcast podding support.baldmove.com is how you get that and add free feeds a ton of other bonus features Thanks for listening. We'll be back on the the wrap-up podcast. Until next week, I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Jim. Respect and enjoy the podcast.